the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And in studio today, taking care of business for Larry is Dinaology. Welcome once again. Glad to have you on board. How are you? And good to see you. Good to see you, too. A lot of things to just up front before we get started with the program. Just going to give you a little bit of information. If you'd like to watch us on YouTube, go to LarryRosenthal.tv. That's LarryRosenthal.tv, and you can see us all waving at you on YouTube. Um, or if you'd like to listen just on the radio, it's available for you there at uh, MakingMoneySense.com. That's MakingMoneySense.com and LarryRosenthal.tv. We are live on uh, Sirius XM as well, and we appreciate you listening on WAVA in Washington, D.C. Dina, what are we doing today? I, I'm still just sort of stunned at all the platforms we're on. <laughs> I remember back in the day when if you weren't local, you couldn't hear us. So welcome to everyone who is not in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia local area. We're happy to have you with us. Indeed. And by the way, if you'd like to dial in with any questions that you have for our financial expert here this morning, it's 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. And before we get started, just want to let everyone know we are, Larry and the team and I are going to... Well, we're not going, but we're going to attend a virtual tax summit the first couple of days of this coming week. We're going to be learning about all of the new tax laws that have been passed this year, specifically the CARES Act and and what that continues to do for us from a tax perspective. We're going to put together a program that we're going to offer online once we finish that uh, finish that tax seminar and kind of get our brains around all the new all the new information. So be looking out for that on the website uh, on RosenthalWealthManagement.com. And if you've got any questions, you can always give us a call. Well, that sounds very, um, no, I don't think that sounds interesting for me. But for you, <laughs> I think you would enjoy that. But for me, it'd be like sort of drinking something through a fire hose and trying to figure out how to understand it. That's, there's a lot of stuff in those laws. There is. Um, and, you know, Larry, Larry's talked about before how there are 79,000 different pieces of tax code. I think there's probably more around 80,000 or maybe 81,000 by now, just with what has changed this year. Man, how does anybody understand it? I really don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to try to pour through. 
Well, and that's the kind of stuff we enjoy, so we're going to have a good time with that this week. Better you than me. Awesome. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. The markets are kind of interesting this this week, weren't they? Well, the the markets were up and down all week long, and by the end of the day yesterday, not much of a change on the week. The Dow was up 0.07 for the week. The S&P was up 0.19% for the week. The NASDAQ was up less than a percent for the week. So where that, where that leaves us on a year-to-date basis, the Dow is just a little better than flat for the year. The Dow's up 0.24% for the year. The S&P's up 7.8% for the year. The NASDAQ, Again, the big winner so far year-to-date, the NASDAQ's up 30% year-to-date. Wow. Now, the NASDAQ's full of all those big tech yeah. names that we love, and those are the things that have been growing like wildfire ever yeah. since, you know, since things turned around back in April. I heard rumors somewhere where they said that uh, tech stocks usually lead out of a recession. Is that, is that a true statement? Absolutely. It it is a true statement. Mm -hmm. Tech stocks, growth stocks in general, tend to lead the way from the bottom of of a market cycle, a recessionary market cycle. And we saw that bottom on March 23rd this year. So since March 23rd this year, the increase on each of those major indices is far bigger than the year-to-date number. They just had a lot of room to cover to make up what was lost in that six weeks leading up to that March 23rd bottom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it seems like the news does turn on a dime. A lot of things do seem to happen in our economic market. So, I mean, as far as we're concerned, as to the layman, the guy just kind of sitting back watching everything, we've got to have a planner or somebody watching it for us, yes? I think that's the wise thing to do, and and if for no other reason than to keep you from making emotional knee-jerk decisions based on fear because of something you heard in the news or read in a headline. Mm. Um, I, I have stories of people who have have done those sorts of things. I, I know a handful of people who sold out their 401k plans at or near the bottom back in March. And, and, and the thing... The thing that makes that such a bad move is a couple of things. First of all, you cannot time a market. The markets move so rapidly now, and, and that's largely because of technology, right? We can all log into our 401k plans and, and trade within those platforms all day, all day, every day. So so markets move faster. It's It's so hard to know. Just from a logical perspective, hey, is this the bottom? Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, if you make that bold a decision to sell out because the headlines are so frightening and because you really feel like the sky is falling, it's very hard to determine when is the right time and the right method to get back into that market. Wow. Is there ever a time when you would, since it's really things are really building up and you've got a lot of profit uh, over time, is there a time that you would take some of that profit off the table? I think there's I think there's a case to be made for that, but there's a vast difference between taking some profits off the table and hitting a button and selling everything because you're oh, scared. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a big difference in that. I've got a client right now who's up solid double digits, and he's talking to me about, you know what, I could sell everything right now and be very, very happy with where I am for the year. I get that. You know, if you're up 20, 30, 40% year to date, 
and and those who are very overweight technology may be experiencing those kinds of numbers it's it's a very attractive thought to sell everything and kind of sit on the sidelines especially with the election uh, coming yeah. up yeah no, i've thought about that i've been concerned uh, you know what's going to happen with the election and there's no way to predict it no, there is no good way to predict the outcome of this election. So so my advice to this client was, look, if you want to sell off a portion that represents the profits that you've made this year and you want to sit that in cash until there's a little more clarity, until we've got a, a result from this election, that's fine. But you have to have the guts to get the money back into the market if things don't go as as downwardly volatile as you expect. That kind of goes back to the old dollar cost averaging thing you guys always talk about, right? If you if you do decide to take profit off the table, then you kind of get back in slowly, right? You don't normally dump everything back in. Depends. Okay. If if you're somebody who can who can not worry about near-term volatility. If you're somebody who can invest some money today and truly have the mindset that this is not money for tomorrow or next week or next month, but this is money for 5, 10, 15 years from now, dump it all back in. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know a lot of people who are truly that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I got you. Hey, let's take a break for a second on the uh, on the economy. We'll get back to it, Dina, here in just a minute. But let's drive over. Let's drive over. Let's, uh, whatever the radio waves do as they go to uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, let's do that. <laughs> We're going to surf on over. <laughs> We're surfing on over to talk to Dave. <laughs> Dave, welcome to the program. Uh, Dina's here. What's your question? Well, it has to do with uh, retirement. I'm uh, 67 years old. And presently, I'm semi-retired. Uh, I'm a pastor. And... Uh, I've got some. Um, I, I've got uh, an income coming in that's composed of, you know, a, a salary and a retirement income from my wife and I Social Security. Okay. I also have uh, a 403b that's got some money in it, and if I was to annuitize that 403b, it would bring in around seven thousand dollars a year. Okay. Uh, if I were to annuitize that and take it in my payment. Uh, I've got another uh, amount of money in an AIG annuity that will come available in five years. I have moved that 403B over into a financial equivalent where it's stable because the market was so unstable. Um, my question is, at my age, should I tap that 403B and start receiving that $7,000 a year? With, would it be more in bad for me to do that now are uh, right now it's not making a whole lot of money. It's only making a, a couple hundred dollars a month over there in that financial equivalent. Or should I wait till after the election and just see what things do? And if investment's better, put that money back in the investment. Couple a of questions. Question, well, there, there's a lot of moving parts to the question, Dave. So the first question, anytime asked me, anytime a client asks me, should I go ahead and take my annuity income? My first question is, do you need it right now? Uh, I don't need it, no. Okay. And the second question is, is this the type of annuity that the the potential payout to you gets bigger? the longer you don't touch it? Or is your payout purely contingent upon the the investment performance of the underlying uh, uh, funds? It's purely dependent upon the investment uh, of, the, of, the, of the money in the funds that it's in because 
I no longer have anyone paying into it right now. Uh, for years, the churches that I pastor paid into it, mm-hmm. so there was money going in and it was growing. Right now, it's not growing from any added money. It's just growing from the investments that it's in. Okay, so in your circumstance, I would say since, since A, you don't need the money, you don't need the income right now, that that makes me lean toward not taking it uh, not taking it right now. Okay. I do think that until you need the income, that money needs to go back into the market. But you're going to okay. want to be very careful about that. There's, there's a lot of room between where you are right now in this sort of stable value fund and going 100% into stocks. There's a whole lot right. of middle ground here that we could explore for you to make sure that you're doing better than this stable value fund, but that you're not exposed to the risk of being in 100% equities. So right. I would I would say if if you're more comfortable waiting until the election is decided, that's fine. We're, what, 17 days from that? Yeah. 13 days, uh-huh. 17 days, something like that. So this short span of time is not going to be material to you either way. But okay. once the, but once the election is decided for the we need to look at the amount of time that 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 money can remain invested before you need to start drawing on it and that can guide how risky or not the investments will be between now and then between now and okay. when you decide to annuitize that money okay. okay does that make sense it does it does good, uh, good. that helps me you know uh, you just sometimes need the expertise of a person who does this every day <laughs> Understood. Person, you know, just trying to chart. You know, well, actually, I, I, somebody asked me one day when I was looking over this. I said, "They said, what are you doing?'" I said, "I'm trying to plan the next 20 years of my life." Right. <laughs> and, yeah. And that's what we're kind of trying to do. But I do appreciate your help today and your insight. Okay. No problem, Dave. Thanks for the call. If you want to hold on, Bob will get some information okay. from you. And if you would like to talk privately in more detail mm-hmm. about this, I'm happy to do that. I'd love to do that. I really would. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right, Dave. Hang on, hang on just a second, and uh, Bob will be right with you. Hey, speaking of South Carolina, it seems to be South Carolina's day here. We're going to go to Loris and talk to Dennis. Dennis, uh, welcome to the show. What's your question for, Dina? Hey, hey, thank you. Uh, can you hear me okay? You sound great. Yeah. Hi, Dennis. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing? So I have a, a 16-year-old son, and he started working uh, with us at the, at the warehouse that we work at. When he was 15, so he has saved some money. And before I retired, I would play around just, just buying silver every now and then, physical silver. And he saw my my vast amount of silver that I had. And uh, maybe I don't know, several months ago, when it was down to like 15 dollars, he said, "Should I buy some silver?" And I told him, "No, it's too far." Well, now that he said the day he saw it's up to 20 something, he thought maybe I should buy some silver. But I, I don't know. So I don't know nothing about investing for him. Um, and what he didn't want was he doesn't want um, something where I have to always authorize. And he thought silver might be something he can buy every once in a while. But is there other options for a, a teenager to start investing? Certainly there are. Um, and, and, and here's the thing. You don't necessarily have to authorize for him, but he can set up an investment account at any of the online broker-type outfits. Um you can set up what's called a custodial account. You'll be the sort of overseer for the account for him, but he can he can make the investments himself. 
um, it would be really, really good for him uh, before he starts doing that to take some sort of class. Um, uh, there are different classes at, at churches and community centers and, and community colleges all over the various areas here on the East Coast that will offer classes either at low cost, a lot of them are no cost at all, and he can start developing that that foundational knowledge to become an informed investor himself. I, I think it's wonderful for the younger generation to start doing that, especially because a lot of the schools still aren't teaching it. So have him do yeah. some research first and find some classes that he could take and start building that knowledge. I, I'm a big advocate of not buying anything you don't understand. So yeah, have yeah. him have him have him spread his knowledge a little bit. I like the medals and and I think it's a neat thing to have the the silver coins. Um, I, I think a lot of us have probably inherited some like that over the years from our parents and our grandparents. That's a neat thing, but that's not the only thing. Have him get out there yeah, and ma'am. learn about the different types of investments first, and then set up he, that custodial account for him, and and maybe he can teach you a thing or two. You never know. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. So, so what what is the what type of uh, courses are we are we talking about? We should be looking for. I mean, is that because we're we're here in North and it's a very very um, rural community. So, but mm-hmm. I think there's um, a Carolina Coast University somewhere around here, but not where I live. So, is there something online a course online he can take? I would bet you that there are. Tell you what, I will do a little bit of research for for you on that, and I will email you. Um, early next week, stand by and Bob will get your contact information and I will look for some things that may be of help to you and your son. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thank you for listening. Hang in there, Dennis. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE123 to ask Dina a question. You can watch us on YouTube at LarryRosenthal.tv. It's LarryRosenthal.tv. So, Dina, we were talking a little bit about the economy and uh, I think we can continue with that if you'd like. Absolutely. You know, the one thing I want to make sure that that we're all on the same page about people often uh, um, interweave the markets and the economy in their conversation. And when I talk about the markets, I'm talking about a very different entity than the economy. Sometimes the economy drives the markets, as we saw when things were shutting down earlier in the year. We saw GDP grind to a halt. We saw unemployment skyrocket. We saw consumer spending drop like a rock. And that impacted the performance of the market for a short period of time. But I'm getting so many questions right now about, hey, the economy is still really struggling. Why is the market doing so well? And I want to make sure that when I'm talking about these two things that our listeners understand, if I'm talking about the markets, I'm talking about the NASDAQ, the Dow, the S&P 500, some of the international market indices that we that we track. That's its, its, its own separate category of things. And when I talk about the economy, I'm talking about data that tells us the health of, of the financial systems in the United States. So one of the pieces of economic data that came out this week is retail sales. Retail sales tells us a, a little tiny piece of the picture of, of the financial health of our country. Going into uh, this past quarter, 
we were the analysts, the the out in the ether sphere analyst people who <laughs> who who crunch the numbers and try to anticipate what these different metrics will look like at their measuring points. The analysts forecasted that retail sales in the U.S. would be 0.8%. So so two-tenths of a percent less than 1% growth. So that was the forecast. Mm -hmm. Well, we got the number this past week, and it was more than double that. Retail sales were up 1.9%. That's a very healthy jump after the drop we saw as a result of COVID. Consumers were spending money on vehicles, home improvement, and sporting goods. Those were the three standout categories. And a lot of that, economists think, is because early in the pandemic, Congress passed some stimulus. We had an extra um, uh, $600 per week unemployment benefits. We had $1,200 going out for for actual stimulus checks to families. But economists are warning us that these future readings could be worse because Congress has not yet agreed on another round of stimulus. So I, I think some of the recent market volatility, again, this is me tying the economy to market performance, some of the recent volatility is actually because investors are worried that Congress is not coming together. They're not compromising and agreeing on a next round of stimulus. There are still thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are economically harmed because of the effect of COVID. They need this help, and investors are nervous that they're not getting it. Okay, so my take on that, and that may be, you know, it's it's political in a way, of course, but I'm wondering if this doesn't change after the election. I think it's like people don't want to budge on one side or the other because of their special interests and so on and so forth, whatever it is they do on the Hill. But if we're, if we're looking at uh, after the election, it, it can budge one way or the other because then at that point they don't have near as many political things to concern themselves with. That's just my thought. Well, I, I try not to talk politics on the show. You know this. No, I know. But I, I do think there's a good bit of that going on right now, and I think – that there's there's a certain group that wants there to be nothing until the election is over because they feel that if the blue wave materializes, um, Joe Biden wins the presidency and the Democrats get enough seats in the Senate to actually take a majority there, the Democrats will have the whole package then. Mm -hmm. And I think some investors are anticipating a much larger package if the Democrats sweep both houses of Congress and the White House. Mm -hmm. So... Some people may view this as, hey, you know what, I can wait a little bit longer because I think what we'll get will be better. Yeah, sure. I would. I could see how you would you would think that way. And in any case, the the sort of mystery around the the, the election would be gone. And at that point, they could get down to the business of you know running the country again and not trying to get elected one way or the other. So. Well, a- absolutely. Um, Larry has, has often said markets don't like uncertainty, and this is ultimate uncertainty, sure. right? Absolutely. We're still, we're still recovering from COVID. We don't have a vaccine. We don't really have a, a widely used and available therapeutic treatment for the more severe cases of COVID. We've got this, this lack of a stimulus package, and we have no idea how this election is going to turn out. That's a lot of uncertainty. And by the way, we've still got the saber rattling with China over trade. Oh, yeah. That's still in there. It's just not 
front page news right now. But isn't it surprising that amid all that noise and all those things that you're talking about, the market is still okay? The market is still okay. Um, I, I would I would dare say, and, and uh, you know, if 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 there's someone in our listening audience right now who is still in negative numbers year to date on their portfolio, something needs to be evaluated because even with all of the volatility, even with the the precipitous drop that we had over that six week period ending March 23rd, you should at least be level for the year. If mm-hmm. you're still in negative numbers year to date, we probably need to take a look at the level of risk. We probably need to take a look at the sector exposure within the portfolio. If you're overweight in energy, um, things like oil, that mm. has probably, well, that has definitely had a real um, downward pressure on your returns this year. Um, there, there are some, um, Figures. Let me hold on just one second because I had this in my notes for today. Believe it or not, <laughs> um, the the energy thing. The International Energy Agency said this week that if the pandemic persists, oil demand won't reach pre-COVID levels until 2025. Wow! So we're looking at another four years of oil prices being. Uh, uh, very very low relative to historic norms, uh, and and if oil demand stays low, those prices are going to stay low as well. So my message in that is if you've got um, a heavy concentration in energy in your portfolio and you've ridden that out all year long, you could be riding that out for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So um, I would advise if someone has performance that is is not at least even for the year give us a call let us look at your at your sector exposure let us look at your risk levels and see what's what's causing that for you because it shouldn't be that way this late in this year mm-hmm. 855-767-3123-855-ROSE-123 if you'd like to talk to Dina Ology who's in the house here today for Larry Rosenthal we will return here in just a moment with more of the program and we invite you to join in and jump on LarryRosenthal.tv if you'd like to watch us on YouTube again If you'd like to dial us up, here's that number, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Back with more in just a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. It's 2020, and there are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's 
thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401K plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, Larry is off this week. Dina Ology is in the house. You're taking your phone calls at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, or watch us on uh, YouTube if you'd like at LarryRosenthal.tv. Dina. LarryRosenthal.tv. Can you I believe like that? that? That is so awesome. Kind <laughs> yeah, of fun. You know, kinda it fun. really is. Um, talking about the election, the election is a little over two weeks away. As of Friday morning, the Real Clear Politics U.S. polls show that former Vice President Joe Biden's lead over President Trump is down to 8.9% nationally. It was 9.7% last week. They're still saying Biden's odds of election were at about 65% this week versus 35% for President Trump. So, what does that mean? What does that mean for us as investors? What does that mean for us in terms of financial planning? So I just could, just to push back just a little bit, because uh, with regards to those real clear politics, polls, I was waiting. Yeah, you, you have to look at also this is where the same this is where the same polls were in 2016. That's right. And That's things right. change just a little bit differently. That's not how the outcome came. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering if we can always depend on, the, on polls. It doesn't seem like we can. I don't think so. But regardless of whether we can depend on the poll or not. It's our only pointer right now. Right? It's the only pointer right now. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, at this point four years ago, we were all expecting a Clinton presidency. We were all expecting to wake up the morning after the election to I, what I called Clinton 2.0. And it just did not materialize. The polls were wildly wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're wildly wrong this time and maybe they're not. Sure. That's, that's not my point. So uh, my point is what can we expect under um, – uh, under any different number of of possible outcomes yeah. the the one thing i will say and and when clients come to me fretting over one outcome versus the other i will tell them it does not m- matter as much who controls the white house but it's congress that may potentially impact financial markets because the president all by himself doesn't have 
ultimate control. Sure, he can sign some executive orders. Sure, he can put some pressure on Congress to pass this project or that. But his authority, his power, if you will, is not ultimate. No, it's limited. It is. That's how the framers designed it, which is a nice thing. That's on purpose, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really a matter of who controls all three. The president by himself is not a big deal, ultimately. And we look at it to see, is it better to have one party control Congress or is it better to have that divided party, that split party government? And really, the data is inconclusive. It, it appears that bond yields, which is a measure of, of market performance and a, and a measure of market confidence, the bond yields tend to fall under divided leadership. Um, maybe that's an indication of, of lower government spending. But when we say that yields fall, that means that bond prices are going up. Mm. What drives bond prices up? Well, that can be because there's more demand for bonds, Hmm. right? If there's no demand for bonds, the prices are going to go down and prices and yield are inversely related. It's like a, (coughs) excuse, excuse me. It's like, (coughs) Uh oh, say something, Chris, I need a drink. (laughs) That's okay. I'll tell you what, 855-767-3121. 855-ROSE-123. That fly just went right down the old throat there for a second. 855-ROSE-123. We're going to go over. Are you in Cheyenne, Wyoming, Don, or are you just on your way there? Well, I'm just kind of on my way there. I'm about 40 miles out heading for breakfast there in Cheyenne, Wyoming. What are you going to have for breakfast in Cheyenne, Wyoming? Something beefy, I would imagine, right? Yeah, well, well they, they, they they really make a, a good omelet at the, at the uh, Iron Skillet, or is it the uh, the, the the other one, that's the Country Pride restaurant that the truck stops have. Oh, that's awesome. I grew up in Wyoming. Graduated from high school there a long, long, long All time right. ago. So glad to have you on the show. What's your question for Dina here today? Well, thank you. And I kind of had a two-part one. So uh, my, my wife and I recently moved her mother into an assisted living home. And in the process of cleaning out her home, we found about a, a bag with we're estimating or guesstimating about $700 worth of coins that she'd been saving throughout her life wrapping individual silver coins in aluminum foil and just sticking them in a burlap sack. (laughs) And uh, they're from the, from like the sixties and seventies, silver dollars, half dollars. They're all silver. There was a few uh, silver certificates in there of, from the past, just old bills. And, and as well, and I just wanted to know, is there, you know, my wife was like, I wonder if we come, if we end up on a on a cashless society or no coins being used because we see signs up in retailers everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if they're about to wipe out coins and these things will become, you know, more valuable, less valuable. What what kind of thoughts you got on that? Uh, that's that's an awesome question. I just do me a favor. If you eat breakfast at the Iron Skillet, <laughs> take a picture of your omelet and email it to me. I want to live vicariously through you. <laughs> we'll do. Got to share sounds, it. Got to share it with me, Dina. Got to share it with me. I'll do it. I'll do it. So, so silver coins, silver certificates, are they going to become more valuable or less valuable? Well, two, two thoughts on this. So there's going to be the monetary value, the medium of exchange value. And then there's the, I'll call it the historic value or the, the collectible value of those coins. If we truly go to a cashless society, your ability to use those coins as a medium of exchange not going to exist. 
okay? Um, if, if we go all bits and bytes, we go all, you know, Bitcoin or electronic uh, medium of exchange for everything, you're going to be hard-pressed to use those to buy your bread, milk, and eggs at the grocery. But the sheer age of those and the fact that you have coins that are pure silver, Okay, because that was back in the day when they stamped those coins out of nothing but silver. There's going to be some sort of collectible value for that. And I would bet you that the collectible value on those items today is maybe a little bit more than you realize. I would find a place local to you that can appraise all of that. And you might want to consider insuring it. Wow. Okay. My well, my two my two cents worth, but um, that sounds like a that sounds like a really neat find. Yeah, it was kind of we were like, look at this, we, and we just keep finding money between mattresses. And my mother-in-law <laughs> and father-in-law were never people of great means, but they were very prudent people. And yes. and uh, and it's just amazing kind of how they little tuck things away. And you know, they, the 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 Bible says uh, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and mm. and they've even. You know, they've done that, you know, with, yeah, with awesome. we're, we're, you know, they, he built up, he adopted my wife back in the sixties, uh, you know, my mother and father-in-law did when she was like 10 months old. And in 1982, he signed a deed over on a house to her and said, wow. I always told the, I told the judge, I'd always provide a roof over your head, take good care of you. Wow. God so, bless her. That, that's okay. awesome. That, yep. awesome. that makes me, that makes me want to cry. That is amazing. <laughs> I love that story. Thank you for that. I tell you what, Don, uh, and, 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 go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Finish your statement. Well, her, and, her, and her mother has been able to use that home for income during her retirement years up until now, which was, was kind of the plan. We'll just let you keep drawing the rent off of it. And it'll be a place that if we ever need to move into, we'll be able to do that in our later years. And, and it's and it's provided great, a great little income. But my other question was, is around September of last year, I had a um, I moved out of the market with an old 401k. I'm way undervalued personally for my retirement. I'm in my mid 50s, but I moved. Uh, I, I moved it from a Bank of America 401k and switched over to Merrill Lynch self-directed IRA. But I parked it into like a uh, a money market fund where it's not invested in any stocks or anything. But the the words that say your investments are not insured screen boldly across the, the screen when I go online and look at the account. And my concern is, is Merrill was one of those companies, I think, through government direction back in 2009 was required to go up under Bank of America for solvency needs or something. And I just wondered, if, is, is that even that little bit of money that I have for my retirement down the road, is it vulnerable? I, I, I have it there with Merrill Edge, but, but I, I've never moved it into any stock or anything. It's in that money market. One of the guys there said, oh, it's insured, but it's not FDIC insured, but he said it's insured through some kind of other mechanism. Yes. Does that ring a bell? Yes, it does. Good, good question. So everybody's familiar with FDIC insurance. That means that if you have your your savings account at Bank of America and Bank of America, for whatever reason, goes belly up, they go out of business. That means that the money you have in your savings account there, they can't run off with it. Okay, the FDIC is going to make sure that every penny you had in that savings account up to certain limits will be given back to you in the event that Bank of America is no longer in existence. 
that FDIC insurance does not translate over to your Merrill Edge account because that is not considered a banking account. That's considered an investment or securities account. That account still has some insurance on it, but it's a different name. The thought, the thought behind it is the same, but it's called SIPC, Securities Investor Protection Corporation. Same idea. If Merrill Lynch, a, a, a division of Bank of America, if they go out of business, they can't run off with your money. That's what that means. But the reason they put that disclaimer on the page, that SIPC insurance simply protects you in the event that Merrill Lynch goes out of business. It does not protect you against investment losses. And right. they want to make sure that you understand that. Right, right. Okay, so I, <laughs> I kind of was thinking that, but I wasn't really sure, and I – and I thought, I'm, I'm, I wonder if I'm in a vulnerable spot. And then I tuned into you guys today, and I thought, I know they'll know the answer to that question. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for calling. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to address something you said, even though this wasn't your question, but I'd like to like to just touch on this a little bit. You, you've got that money in the money market fund. And like I told the caller before you, I'm, I'm not bothered um, uh, over having that in the money market fund between now and the election because I don't think this span of time is going to be material to you over the long term. But that money market fund that you're in, that is not structured to outpace taxes and inflation over time. That money, since you're in your 50s, you've got time to write out some volatility. I would recommend taking a look at ways that you can invest that in such a way that you're not losing sleep over it, okay? I don't want you taking so much risk that you're just upset about it all the time. But I do want to encourage you to find some blend of investments that will help you have a better chance of outpacing those taxes and that inflation over time. Otherwise, that money's really just dead in the water for you. If you need that right. kind of help, I am happy to give you some guidance there. Just give Bob your contact information, and we can talk about it offline. Okay, that would be great. If you transfer me to him, I will gladly give him that because I would like some guidance on that. Tell you what, Don, you might ought to think about uh, getting a shovel and uh, on, you know, maybe going to the backyard and looking for cherry jars, too, because there may be some money. <laughs> you, 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 yeah. you never know. Yeah. With the, with the, you're just finding it stuff everywhere, right? Get a metal uh, that's detector. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. God bless you, Don. Thanks for the call here this morning. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. If you'd like to talk to Dina here in studio, let's take a quick break, Dina, and then we'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show right after this. You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives.
Now nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea. Call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Great calls today on the show. We appreciate you calling us at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Dina Ology, our financial and retirement expert here in studio. Going back just a little bit here, Dina, before we continue on to the politics section of the show where we were talking about politics, um, you, should be, you should keep in mind this, that, you know, of course, Dina and I and Bob all have different opinions personally on politicians and who should be elected. But what we our purpose here on the show is really just to analyze whether a Biden presidency or a Trump presidency and what that would look like financially and for the economy. That's really all we we do here. We don't talk particularly about any one individual winning. We don't even sway that one way or the other. We try to stay sort of neutral on that. Right, Dina? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it, it's it, that's an interesting lead in to, to what I was going to talk about for the rest of the show. Of course, we do a ton of research on what the different platforms may do for the economy, for markets. And we've we've come to the conclusion that there are three likely outcomes or three possible outcomes. And it's hard for us to determine which is more likely. But the three outcomes that we see, outcome number one is a Democratic sweep. What that means is Biden wins the presidency, Democrats maintain control of the House, and they take on enough seats in the Senate to have a majority there. The second is a a Democratic presidency with a split Congress. So what that means is Congress stays about like it is right now, but Joe Biden wins the presidency. Outcome number three, Republican presidency. President Trump wins, but without a congressional majority. So President Trump stays president. The Democrats pick up enough Senate seats to have a majority there, and they maintain control of the House. So as we see it, there there's a potential economic and market impact of each one of those. So I, I would say there's a fourth scenario as well where the Republicans were to sweep across with President Trump as a Trump uh, presidency as well. So I don't know how likely that is, but it could well, and, and it is a possible fourth scenario, but I, I agree with you, not a likely one. Right. Uh, the, the ones that I just listed, I think, are the most likely. And, and again, I don't know of the three which has the higher probability. Mm-hmm. So, so what I can talk about these last few minutes is just the economic and market impact of, of each of those. And and. And that's that's really all I can do. Right. Sure. I'm not not here to predict. So outcome number one was a Democratic sweep, meaning Joe Biden wins the presidency. The House of Representatives is controlled by Democrats and the Senate uh, shifts power to the Democrats as well. So the potential impact on the economy and markets. Well, higher corporate individual and capital gains taxes that president biden has has woven that into his platform we're looking at higher regulation major reforms to the affordable care act um less china focused than the trump administration has been this would would be the biggest change from the past four years and potentially presents the most difficult situation for the markets out of the three that I've listed out here. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, there's there's a big gap between pre-election policy proposals and what actually happens. But I think it would be reasonable to expect that Democrats would view the election as, as a broad mandate for their agenda. Mm-hmm. 
So what what that might mean for markets, a, a broad mandate like that would mean higher taxes, corporate high-income individuals and capital gains, and that could could give downward pressure in the stock market. Um, there would be risk around drug pricing and Medicare for all. That would be challenging for the healthcare sector, but it's likely that the big aspirations that, that are being campaigned on, they'd probably have to be watered down in any actual legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, would expect a dramatic increase in the regulatory burdens on the corporate sector, especially in energy and financials. But there would be a lot of support for environmentally friendly (laughs) companies and green technology. Does the market build this stuff in, though, even so? Sometimes, sometimes. Um, It's hard to say today what the market has got, quote, priced in. Mm Um, in in this outcome, the risk to big tech is very high, um, probably due to the increased taxes and all of the the, the focus on more regulation. Um, the big tech has got a very heavy weight in the domestic market, and that could weigh heavily on the broad equity indices. We could see some U.S. equity underperformance versus the foreign markets. So. A Democratic sweep has got some some for sure implications on the mm-hmm. economy and the market. Um, outcome number two, Democratic presidency with split Congress, potential impact, uh, no tax changes, probably more regulation. Energy, financials, health care and big tech are at risk, but to a lesser extent than in a Democratic sweep. I think we would see low interest rates for longer under this recipe. I think also we would see relations with China deteriorate further, uh, maybe maybe more in the traditional sense of number one and number two superpowers, just kind of button heads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Under this under this possible outcome, it would be very difficult to pass any major legislation, and that would sort of mute the market impact of the proposals for higher taxes, more regulation, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think the framers had in mind that, that if that were the case or the scenario, that there would be some compromise. But we, we don't see a lot of that happening today, unfortunately. Well, uh, and... and I, I know that tensions are high in the lead up to an election. I know that both major parties are really pushing for more positive exposure in the lead up to election day. They're looking for those positive headlines. They're looking to show that they are really working for the people. So I think that's a lot mm-hmm. of the headbutting that we see right now. Some of that is simple election posturing. But it's my hope, it is my prayer that once the election is passed, they can, as you say, go back to doing the business of the people and actually compromise on things that are for the benefit of, of the country. I agree with that. Really do. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. You're still on your scenarios, but just letting you know, we've got about uh, four minutes left in the program. You're welcome to call us. All right. Outcome number three, Republican presidency, but without a congressional majority. Well, that's status quo, right? That's that's more of the same. Mm-hmm. No change to taxes, less regulation, increased anti-China sentiment, and again, this low interest rates for longer. That is the outcome that when I'm talking to clients, I call status quo. That means President Trump is reelected. It means Republicans maintain control of the Senate. It means Democrats maintain control of the House. Uh, Very similar to outcome number three, just different president. 
I am hopeful that that would force some cooperation. Uh, in this scenario, we'd expect the, the current corporate tax rate of 21% to remain the same, but we may see lower personal and capital gains taxes. That, that remains to be seen. Um, Trump's deregulatory agenda would likely stay about the same, and we would expect the Trump administration to continue pursuing what, what we call a deregulatory agenda for energy independence. Mm -hmm. So uh, more of the same. President Trump is, is so vocal in his support of low interest rates and the outlook for lower for longer rates um, would likely stay in place if that were the outcome. It's, it's similar to a Democratic presidency with a divided Congress, but longer-term interest rates could increase if this, this accommodative fiscal stance remains. One of the big things in, in these last two scenarios is this relationship between the U.S. and China. Under both outcomes, there's still potential for more uh, adversarial type actions. The mm -hmm. the anti-China sentiment in the U.S. is rising, um, and there's uh, this administration has a willingness to go against international norms. So, you could see President Trump really pushing to decouple uh, our economies. That could have a negative impact on business confidence and investment. It could cause an increase in market volatility. So three, three possible outcomes, and again, I, I have no idea which is the most likely, but the big message in all of that, don't let emotions over this election overwhelm your decision-making. You, you, you have to remind yourself, and, and, I, and I do this too, okay? I have to remind myself, the election is a short-term thing. If the, the party that you prefer does not win this election, you might be tempted to feel like the sky is falling and that life as we know it is over. Mm. We have gone through a lot of really bad, really uncertain times. And guess what? We've gotten through all of them. The near-term volatility that comes, and I believe, for what it's worth, I believe that we're going to have that near-term volatility no matter the outcome. Gotcha. Okay, it's going to be a change one way or the other. And markets don't like change. Markets don't like uncertainty. It will shake out. It will be okay. Don't let this election, don't let your personal politics inf in, in influence in a great manner how you invest your portfolio. Keep focused on your financial plan. Keep focused on the level of risk that you maintain in your investments. The other stuff is noise. Wow. Well, I appreciate you being on the show here today, Dean. We are just completely almost out of time. We do have some people that are on hold, and we'll answer those calls right after we get done uh, with this uh, particular closing out of our program. But remember that you can always watch us at LarryRosenthal.tv. We hope that you'll join us again next week. Keep this telephone number in mind, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. That number is available all week long and rings into the office. And you can talk to Dina. You can talk to any of our financial planners that are there at Rosenthal Wealth Management. Thank you so much for joining us. For Bob in the back, who's uh, doing a wonderful job on the phones, as he always does. Appreciate you. And, of course, I appreciate you, Dina. Thank you so much for being here today. We always have a good time on the program. So good to hang out with you again. I'll see you soon, okay? Talk to you again next time on another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Have a great week.